What's up, Raider Nation? Matt Holder here from Silver and Black Pride, bringing you another edition of the Holder's Handful podcast. The preseason is finally over, and the Raiders' final 53-man roster is finally set as they get ready to take on the Los Angeles Chargers a couple of Sundays from now on the 11th. With that, we've got a bunch of news to go over, and your questions, of course, so let's do it. All right. Obviously, the big news coming out of Las Vegas this past week were the roster cuts, so here's how I'm going to do this. I'm going to go through the guys who got let go, and then go position by position through the final roster so that you guys know exactly who's on the team and who isn't. Sound good? Don't know why I just asked you guys a question, seeing as you can't reply. The following players were let go one way or another as a part of final roster cuts. Tight end Nick Bowers, wide receiver Justin Hall, defensive lineman Tyler Lancaster was placed on IR, same with linebacker Tay Davis and offensive tackle Brandon Parker, who of course was one of the favorites to win the starting right tackle job at the beginning of camp. Guard Alex Bars was let go, linebacker Curtis Bolton, cornerback Isaiah Ike-Brown, DB Bryce Crosby, safety Quintario Cole, tight end Cole Fotheringham, quarterback Chase Garbers, offensive lineman Alex Leatherwood, another leading candidate at right tackle, and Leatherwood was claimed off waivers by the Chicago Bears, which gave the Raiders $5.9 million in dead cap relief. Guard Jordan Meredith, tackle Bam Mosellini, wideout Dylan Stoner, defensive ends Myron Tagovailoa Amosa and Zach Van Valkenburg, running back Austin Walter, wide receiver and apparently defensive back Isaiah Zuber, wideout Keelan Cole, who had a chance to compete for the third spot on the depth chart heading into training camp, center Hironis Grasu, Safety Matthias Farley, corner Darius Phillips, defensive tackle Kyle Pecco, and tight end Jacob Hollister was placed on IR. The Raiders also traded presumptive starting quarterback Trayvon Mullen to the Arizona Cardinals for a conditional 7th round pick that could turn into a 6th rounder if Mullins plays in at least 10 games. So, that means the following players are on the 53-man roster. Quarterbacks Derek Carr and Sherrod Stidham. Running backs Josh Jacobs, Samir White, Brandon Bolden, Amir Abdullah, and Britton Bound, Brown being the biggest surprise. Fullback Jacob Johnson, tight ends Darren Waller, Foster Moreau, and Jesper Horstead. Offensive lineman Colton Miller, John Simpson, Andre James, Lester Cotton, and Jermaine Illuminor, Thayer Munford, Dylan Parnum, and Jackson Barton. And that's only eight, so that's something to watch over the weekend. Wide receivers Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro, Matt Collins, DJ Turner, and Tyron Johnson. At edge, Max Crosby, Chandler Jones, Malcolm Kuntz, Deshaun Bauer, and Cleveland Farrell made the team. Defensive tackles Jonathan Hankins, Bilal Nichols, Andrew Billings, Kendall Vickers, Neil Farrell Jr., and Matthew Butler. Linebackers Denzel Perryman, Divine Diablo, Jayon Brown, Darian Butler, and Luke Masterson. Corners Nate Hobbs, Rocky Sin, Anthony Averett, Emick Robinson, and Sam Webb. And finally, the safeties are Trevon Merrig, Jonathan Abram, Deron Harmon, and Roderick Teamer, and Isaiah Palomao. As for the practice squad, I'll run through that for you guys as well. Linebacker Curtis Bolton, cornerbacks Ike Brown and Bryce Cosby, safety Matthias Farley, tight end Cole Fotheringham, quarterback Chase Garbers, center Hironis Grasu, guard Jordan Meredith, offensive tackle Bama Salini was originally made the practice squad, but was bumped on Thursday for Vitaly German, who was with the Chiefs during training camp. Wideout Dylan Stoner made the practice squad, defensive ends Myron Tagovoa Amasoa and Zach Van Balkenberg, running back Austin Walter, wide receiver DB Isaiah Zuber, and defensive back and newcomer J.R. Reed, who's with the Broncos during camp. And that'll be your 2022 Las Vegas Raiders roster for now. 
Since roster transactions were the biggest pieces of news across the entire league this week, I figured I'd give you guys a few updates that involve the Raiders one way or another. First update, the Titans cut safety Tyree Gillespie, so the Raiders will not receive that conditional 7th round pick that they traded for him. Running back Kenyon Drake signed with the Baltimore Ravens to back up J.K. Dobbins, who was recovering from a torn ACL last season. Cornerback Darius Phillips didn't last long on the open market, as he signed with the Denver Broncos on Thursday. Lynn Bowden Jr., who was famously traded a few months after being a Grucock third-round pick, was released by the Dolphins, but then signed to the Patriots practice squad. On a somewhat similar but also somewhat different note, the Raiders brought in offensive lineman Joe Haig for a visit, who has made 40 starts in his NFL career, all up and down the line, and took 107 snaps at right tackle for the Steelers last season. A few practice updates for you guys. Rookie offensive tackle Thayer Munford missed the last two weeks with an injury, but returned to practice on Wednesday, per the Las Vegas Review-Journal's Vinny Bonsignor. Tight end Darren Waller also got back on the field on Wednesday, and Waller also hired a new agent, the infamous Drew Rosenhaus, who has represented a lot of notable stars like Warren Sapp and Antonio Brown. Rosenhaus said that the hope is to get Waller's contract extension done as soon as possible, and CBS Sports' Josina Anderson said that there's been a discussion that would make Waller the highest paid player at his position at $16 million per year. So, a couple of key guys are back in pads, and it sounds like we could have more news on the Waller deal soon. One guy who was a bit of a surprise that made the roster was Cleveland Farrell, as Farrell spent most of training camp injured and, as I'm sure you know, struggled to seal the field for much of last season. However, head coach Josh McDaniels had a lot of good things to say about him after the team's final preseason game, stating, I saw Cleveland play some snaps in a couple different packages against the Patriots, and that's always good to get a guy out there and have an opportunity to play in the preseason and do some things that we want to see him do. It was good to get him back out there. The 2019 number 4 overall pick also caught the coach's eye with his work ethic. He was involved in the pass rush some, dropped into coverage actually a couple of times, McDaniels continued to say, there's a lot of things we ask those guys to do on the edge. Clea's definitely got to try and make up for a little bit of lost time, but that's okay. That's what these practices going forward will be about for him. He's been involved in each meeting. He's paid attention. He understands what his roles are and that we're asking him to play. And like I said, it was good to get him back out there. That's some pretty good praise, and it sounds like Farrell was doing all the right things while he was banged up, which undoubtedly went a long way toward him making the final 53-man roster. A recent study conducted by Gambling.com found that the Raiders were the 10th smartest team in the NFL. The study used the Wonderlick scores of every team in the NFL, and Las Vegas' average score was 25.0. The Vikings had the highest average score at 28.7, and the Texans, Steelers, Bears, and Commanders rounded out the top five. For those curious, the Chargers came in at number six with a 26.1 average score, and Justin Herbert was in the top 10 among individual players with a 39 on the Wonderlick. The Chiefs are 25th, and the Broncos are one of the dumbest teams in the league at number 29. Our next two short news stories comes from you guys, the fans. Silver and Black Pride recently posed the question of who would be the Raiders' next Pro Bowl player of the guys who haven't been selected to one yet in their careers. The options were kicker Daniel Carlson, linebacker Divine Diablo, corner Nate Hobbs, center Andre James, left tackle Colton Miller, safety Trevon Merrick, running back Samir White, and corner Rocky Sin. Miller won the vote with 33% of the vote, which is a pretty good choice as that's who I would have gone with. Carlson came in second with 24%, and Hobbs was third at 20% of the vote. The Action Network recently took a look at the negative tweets after every team's losses last season and found that Raider Nation is the most moodiest fan base after losses in the entire league. 
Action Network found that more than 26% of tweets were negative after the Raiders' eight losses last season, which honestly seems a little low. And the fan base was the most negative after week the, after the week five loss to the Chicago Bears, the game that was the, after the first wave of the Gruden email leaks. What might have been the most hilarious part about this study, though, is Raider Nation was the second most moodiest behind Bucks fans after victories with 14% of the tweets being negative. Hey, I'm not here to call anybody out, and this is why I love this fan base. Keep doing your thing, Raider Nation. Here we go. Mailbag time. As your weekly reminder, if you'd like to have your questions answered on a future show, either tweet them at me, adamholder95, or email them to sbpquestions1 at gmail.com, adamholder95, or sbpquestions1 at gmail.com. First up, of all the rookies on the Raiders roster right now, which ones will make the biggest impact? Well, I'll tell you what, why don't I do this? I'll go through the whole draft class and I'll highlight one of the UDFA or undrafted free agent that I think I, uh, that I think can make an impact on this team. So first up, Dylan Parham. I think Parham actually has a chance to uh, start week one for the Raiders at right guard. Lester Cotton, I know he caught fire and had a lot of buzz at the beginning of camp, but at the end of camp, there was a lot of rumors that the Raiders weren't happy with what they were going on at, uh, on the right side of the offensive line. Obviously, part of that was Alex Leatherwood, who is now gone, but that also was partially on Lester Cotton. So I wouldn't be surprised if Parham ends up starting at, starting at that guard spot, um, or at least, you know, Lester Cotton being on a short leash, and we end up seeing Parham coming in uh, pretty quickly. I also think he's going to be the first guy off the bench, um, on the, or especially if one of the interior guys gets uh, goes down, Andre James goes down. Parham's pretty much the back, backup center. He is the backup center right now. I shouldn't even say pretty much. And uh, he took a lot of snaps there in the preseason. Looks solid for a guy that you know was learning the new, new position. So I think he's definitely going to be that sixth offensive lineman. He can also play a little tackle too if they need to in a pinch. So I think he's going to have a big impact where he could start maybe maybe as soon as, I guess, as soon as week one. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see him crack the starting lineup by October. Um, obviously, we know with the offensive line, guy, those guys get banged up all the time. So I, I got to think that he's going to be uh, in the starting lineup one way or another um, sooner rather than later. Zamir White, I don't know how much of an impact Zamir White's going to have this year. Obviously, the Raiders have Josh Jacobs as their lead back and then uh, – Brian and Bolden as their kind of number two or the passing down back. And Amir Abdullah got a lot of buzz. I think they played really well in uh, in the preseason. And Britton Brown had a pretty good preseason too, who I'll get to in a second. So I'm not exactly sure how big Samir White, uh, his role is going to be this year. I think he'll probably be more like that third down than that goal line back. He's a guy that wants to, rent his, uh, to lower his shoulder and pick up those extra tough yards. I think this is going to be a little bit more of a, a developmental um, year for him in the big picture because I don't think they're going to be bringing back Josh Jacobs in the offseason. So it might be a little bit uh, underwhelming this year for Zamir White. Neil Farrell Jr., to be honest with you, I'm not 100% sure what to make with uh, Neil Farrell Jr. for for this this season. If you guys have heard me tell on, the, uh, on previous podcasts, I had high expectations for him going into the preseason, going into the year. thought he might be able to win the starting job. Played uh, pretty bad, or I shouldn't say pretty bad, but I guess lower than what I had expected to see from him in the preseason. So I'm not exactly sure what's going to happen. Um, obviously, defensive tackle is kind of a little bit up in the air right now. Hankins is back on the field and should be starting week one. Um, and I think Farrell right now is probably third on the depth chart. So it'll probably be a little bit till we see him on the field. Kind of the same goes for Matthew Butler. Uh, Butler, I thought, had a really good last game. Farrell had a really good last game, too, and, and against the Patriots. So a couple of guys that I think still need to get their feet wet, still trying to figure things out in the NFL. 
Uh, Butler's probably going to be behind Nichols. So I guess if Nichols goes down, maybe that's go, that's an opportunity for him because they're kind of similar type of players. Uh, Thayer Munford, talked a lot about Thayer Munford recently. I don't think he's ready to start week one, but there is a lot that you had to like from the preseason for him. I actually wrote an article on this up on the website, up on Silver and Black Pride, if you guys want to check it out. But yeah, I think Munford, I think at some point he's going to end up starting at right tackle. You know, if Jermaine Illuminor is out there doing a hell of a job, maybe they don't make a switch. Maybe they keep it as, as status quo. But I do think at some point we're going to see Munford in the game. And it's another guy who, a lot like Purim, could be sooner than later. Maybe October when he gets a, you know, a few weeks of some more NFL practices and maybe a, a few reps off the bench or something like that. Maybe they throw him in there in the starting lineup. But yeah, for a seventh-round pick, there Munford's uh, already kind of exceeding expectations. Guy, you know, at the beginning of camp, we were talking about him being a fringe bubble or a fringe or a roster bubble guy. Now we're talking about him being a, a fringe starter. So hell of a hell of a campaign for him so far. Hopefully it works out for him. And yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if we see him on the field. Britton Brown, kind of the same thing as Zamir White. He did outplay Zamir in the preseason for whatever that's worth. Um, obviously, I don't know exactly what happened in practice, but I think he's already kind of exceeded expectations. He's forced the coaching staff to keep five running backs and a fullback. And that's absolutely because he played his ass off. So I'm really excited to see what he can do, but probably more of a guy that we're going to see more of next year. Um, but yeah, I mean, if guys go down, I feel pretty confident with uh, with Brown as the you know second or third back back there. And who knows, maybe by the end of the season, especially when uh, Jacob starts getting a little less tread on those tires, maybe they can use him to spill him. But another guy that's probably going to be a year till we really get to see him uh, see him thrive. And then the UDFA that I'm gonna highlight is going to be Sam Webb. And part of the reason why I highlighted him is I didn't think he was going to make the team. I thought he might be a practice squad guy. Then they traded Trayvon Mullen, which I think, one, speaks really highly of what they think of of Anthony Averett. And I think it speaks highly of what they think of uh, of Sam Webb. Obviously, I think that made room for him on the on the roster. And, again, you know, corner was a position. Just looked at last year. As soon as, uh, as, soon as um, Trayvon Mullen went down, the Raiders kind of had a, a rotating circus out there at, at, at the other corners um, opposite of Casey Hayward until Brandon Faison, who they signed off the street, ended up uh, holding that down, that second starting spot. If, uh, if the Raiders do get banged up and they do get some injuries, I mean, Arik Robinson's kind of the, the next guy behind Averitt that will come off the bench. And, I mean, we know what we have in Amik right now. He's apparently played better. He's a guy that I'm kind of surprised was end up making a team just on his preseason performances. But again, you know, not a guy that has anything locked down and an opportunity for an undrafted guy like Sam Webb that could eventually come out and, uh, and earn a starting spot. Again, assuming someone goes down and injuries start to happen. But again, another guy that, you know, maybe in a year or two, we're going to be really looking at this guy as a, as a potential starter, but might be a little bit till we see him on the field. All right. Question number two here and buckle up because this is a long winded one. Can you talk about how Gruden and Mayock totally messed up all the draft picks and cap space they got by trading away all the valuable players in the first years? It's extremely bad how how they run the team with uh, epic misses in the draft and horrible free agent signings. If it was not for Carr and the luck they had in the fourth round and beyond in the draft, we would have been in a much worse place. Are the current regime tech? Taking it to the stream, not getting much for players like Mullen, Leatherwood, Drake, and when we are in win-now mode. So I think, I mean, you hit the nail on the head with the, the trading of the players. I mean, you go back, I hate to bring it up, but the Cleveland Mac trade, they ended up getting, what? They ended up having to take Cleveland Farrell because they needed an edge desperately. 
Um, obviously, that hasn't quite worked out. Uh, Josh Jacobs was the other guy that they they brought. I mean, even if Gruden and Mayock came back, I don't know if if you or I think they probably would, but I don't know if you would. The right decision would be to to pick up Jacobs' fifth year option for how expensive that was going to be and how just banged up he is. And then Jonathan Abram, we know has had his struggles, gotten better, and uh, we'll see how it goes this year. But obviously, not exactly the uh, the haul you want. All the other picks, I don't want to have to even go through with the uh, with the Grucock era. But yeah, is it an overreaction though to be trading and not getting much for these guys? Honestly, I don't think so. I kind of like the way McDaniel's and the new uh, and McDaniel's and Ziegler have been have been doing things and basically treating it like. We don't care where you were drafted or how much you've been paid. We're wanting to we're going to take the 53 guys that are the best 53 guys and that can give us the best chance of winning. And I kind of like it. You know, as far as them not getting much in return, I think with Trayvon Mullen, I mean, the guy had surgery on the injury that he met, that he uh, held him out of almost all of last year in June. So he clearly just isn't 100%. He's, you know, a good starting corner when he is healthy, when he's not, well, when he's just not available, not on the field, but two, who knows what he's going to be when he is on the field and, you know, banged up. And, you know, I talked about this a little bit on a, on a few other podcasts. If he had surgery in June, that means probably most of his training was just rehab instead of trying to get better. So, and he's going to be a free agent in the offseason anyway. So to get anything back for him, I think was a pretty good sign. You know, we'll see. Time will tell. Maybe. Anthony Averett and comes out and blows it and isn't what they thought he was. And then it kind of looks bad, but I like it as far as right now. Um, the Leatherwood deal. I mean, the, the Raiders tried to trade him and 31 teams said, no, they're honestly lucky that the bears who are basically trying to start over their entire franchise with a new regime. And they had a new regime also without a whole lot of draft picks. And I think they were pretty tight on cap space too. So, they claimed like six or seven guys off waivers. So they are clearly just trying to rework things and re and try things out again. They can get Leatherwood for fairly cheap for their end for a first round pick for a guy that's a year removed from being a first round pick. So I really don't think Leatherwood had any value. I think you saw how much the league valued him, the fact that they couldn't trade him. I mean, there's not many guys that go in the first round that um, don't end up fetching anything. I mean, at least, at least Trayvon Mullen, who's got one year left on his deal and was a second-round pick, could get a sixth-round pick, or conditional seventh, I should say, that can turn into a sixth-round pick. So, I just, I mean, that shows you what the league viewed Leatherwood, and they showed you, peels back the curtain a little bit on how they viewed him in the pre-draft. If they viewed him as a first-round pick, someone would at least give up a fifth, sixth, or seventh-round pick for him to get him and not have him go on waivers. But, obviously, that didn't happen. Drake, I mean... From the moment Drake signed, I think most people knew that was a bad contract to give your RB2 $11 million guaranteed. Um, and, I mean, Drake took two weeks to find a new team. Maybe it was you know him shopping the market and kind of playing it out that way, and that I'm looking too much into that. But, again, everyone in the league, they tried to trade him, and everyone in the league said that contract's not worth it. I think most people realize when it happened, this was not a good contract for a backup running back. And, I mean, obviously it didn't work out. Obviously, the uh, McDaniel's didn't think he was worth the worth the money. They're paying him to go away. So, 
you know, I just kind of like what they're doing. I kind of like how they're wanting to, to mold this team with their own vision and, you know, use the, use the guys that the, that Grucock did hit on, obviously Max Crosby, the Hunter Renfro's, and then not being afraid to, to gamble a little bit and put your chips in the Devontae Adams tape on, uh, all in on Devontae Adams. I'm fumbling my words over here, but yeah, I mean, I like what they've done. I don't, I don't think it's an overreaction. Again, I think a lot of the guys that, uh, grew to Mayock brought in, they either overpaid or overdrafted. So, you know what? Cut bait. Let's start fresh. And again, I don't think this Raiders team is, uh, any worse than they were two weeks ago or anything like that before they got rid of Drake, you know? So, I don't think it's a don't think it's an overreaction at all, and I'm uh, interested to see how these uh, next few years go out, and especially if they can get stuff out of guys like Dylan Parnum and uh, Thayer Munford in the draft class this year, and then like I was talking about those guys that are developmental guys for the next years and beyond. I think uh, I think we can see what a what a functional front office look, looks like. Then again, I've said that before when it comes to the Raiders, so we'll see how it works out. But I'm excited. I'm excited to see what they do. Next question. Do you think Darren Waller signs a new deal before the start of the regular season? I'm going to say no, but I'm going to say I don't think it'll be that far into the season that they that they end, end up reaching an agreement if they are going to reach one. Um, the reason why I say that is with the new agent and the season about, what, 10 days away now or I don't nine days away or something like that, um, with the new agent and the season being nine days away from starting, I would imagine Rosenhaus, they're going to want to start negotiations, maybe not from from uh the start from the get-go, but I imagine it's going to take a little bit for them to start to work out the negotiations and figure that all that out and see where they're at. Um, obviously, I don't know where they left things or anything like that. So I think it'll be interesting. I would imagine, again, Rosenhaus is going to want to kind of hit the reset button and figure it out, and that might take a little bit extra time. But again, I don't. I wouldn't be surprised you know, if it is week two or something like that, we get an update that uh, Darren Waller has a has a new deal or anything like that or something like that, I should say. Um, so again, I don't think it'll be necessarily before the start of the regular season with that short window, but I do think it'll happen sometime in, in the beginning of the season. If they are going to strike up a deal again, that Justina Anderson, uh, who knows if that's coming from uh, Waller's new agents who, who want to get him that big deal, but, or if that's coming from the Raiders or if the Raiders want to bring him in for 16 million, but it is a good sign that there's at least a number on it. Usually when you get to, you start to see the numbers, that's when the deal starts coming close because that means the team and the, the agent and the player, they're getting close on a number so they can kind of leak one out to the media and go for it a little bit. So I think they'll, I, my gut says they'll get a deal done sometime in September. I just, I just think the 10-day window that we're looking at right now, probably a little bit too tight. Next up, since McDaniels never actually said who the starting line is, who are your best five? So left tackle, obvious. We'll start with the easy one, Colton Miller. Left guard, going to be John Simpson again this year. I'm kind of uh, excited to see what Simpson can do, I believe. Is this year a contract year? If this year isn't, next year is. So I'm excited to see what he can do in his second year as a starter and uh, obviously going to be looking for that payday. Andre James, I think, will be uh, be the starter at center again. Though I do think Andre James might be on a little bit of a short leash. Didn't have the greatest preseason. You saw Parnham take a lot of reps at center. So I wouldn't be surprised if uh, he is kind of on a tighter leash again with the new staff. We are, we've already seen them get rid of, like we were just talking about, we've already seen them get rid of first-round picks and guys that were on big contracts. So Andre James certainly isn't safe either. But I do think he starts at least week one. Right guard, I know I was just talking about this. I don't know. I would go with Parham. I think 
you know what you have in Lester Cotton a little bit. Well, I guess it is a new staff, so maybe they don't know quite as much. But to me, Lester Cotton's been around. This is going to be year four. I'm happy for him. I'm happy he made the team finally. But I don't know how much potential he has. And again, he did. He struggled during the preseason. Make no mistake about that. Um, the coaches even said it. So I don't even think they directly said, but it was at least reported that they were uh, not too pleased with what, with his play. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if Parham ends up getting the call uh, call in week one and then right tackle. Um, kind of touched on this a little bit already, but I think it's going to be a Luminor to start. But I do think a Luminor is going to be another guy that's going to be on a short leash. And especially if Thayer Munford can have a couple of good practices now that he's back in the fold with these uh, next two weeks, I think Thayer Munford is going to be uh, sitting there waiting. And, you know, one screw up, one time uh, Cleo Mack puts um, a Luminor on his chest or a Luminor on his back and, uh, or wins on the outside. You know, I think it could, could be a quick hook and they might give the rookie a shot. So I think it'll be a Luminor week one. And then, like I said, short leash with uh, Thayer Munford's shadow lurking in the background. Our last question comes from my guy, Jim Vivian. How is it every year that an old hillbilly is closest on the Raiders' 53-man roster projection? Sure, it's partly because he's informed by an expert breakdowns of the TDL kids. Shout out, tape don't lie. But how is H. Billy do it since, since 1976 NFL expansion draft before you all were born and before he was a hillbilly? Well, 1976 was well before I was born, Jim. In fact, 23 years before I was born. So, hey, I guess you uh, you had the old old wise uh, experience there, old man. So, yeah, I don't know, man. I guess no one knows preseason football better than Jim Vivian. He's the expert on this stuff, and uh, he crushes it every single year on his 53-man. So I'm looking forward to next year. Everyone's got to go follow Jim and make sure you get his, uh, his roster projection because he's on it. All right. That'll do it for this week's pod. We've got one more Sunday to go without Raiders football. I know I'm excited, and I'm sure you are too. So let's power through and enjoy some college football this weekend and then get to the real stuff. As always, thank you for listening. Please make sure to rate, review, subscribe, and download wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow me on Twitter, AdamHolder95, and follow Silver and Black Pride. Until next week, guys. Game week, baby!